after that split when, in my opinion, he definitely deserves to be on the team. And he's been wandering Parker the Mask wilderness. is on G2, by the way. Yeah, he's I not on BDS. I wonder where you're going with B this. Oh, BDS sorry. has a limit instead. It's all right. right. Sorry, uh, sorry. Okay. Oh, I, I'm... I'm uh, you just had a brain fart on that one. Yeah, I've completely brain cool. fired that. Well, forget that. I'll probably edit that out so you never even get to see it. All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Side Select. I am your host, Foxtrot. We've been talking about esports. We've got some to topics to talk about, some interesting stuff. And I'm joined by some interesting fellows. We've got Rich over here. Rich, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Can't complain, mate. Ready you to have for breakfast? talk some e What do I have for breakfast? Uh, yeah. I don't eat breakfast because I actually do this magical thing called intermittent fasting. So I never okay. eat before 1 p.m. So. Yeah. He's actually doing that in his career at the moment. Like he's having a few years out of orgs that'll just really build up his hunger to get back in when he does the like TSM H2K hybrid merger. Yeah. Mm. I'm excited to see that hunger come through, actually. I'm sure you'll be coming back with a vengeance. And as as we, we can see, we've got Thorin here as well, Mr. Esports himself. How are you doing, Mr. Thorin? Here's the thing. I never at any point ever said no one else was esports. But I tell you what, I don't care what anyone says. If we were defining people as esports, I'm one of them. Listen, I'm one of the avatars. I didn't claim I was the only one. It's all right. All right. Uh, but, but what did you have for breakfast, more importantly? I actually am a bit similar to Richness. I usually eat a keto diet. So actually, I trend, tend to wait till lunchtime, personally. I actually find, by the way, as a little pro tip to people, if you ever want to just basically remove some calories from your day, actually, breakfast is the easiest one because you just go like an extra hour. And what happens is after you've done it a few weeks, it actually is not a big deal. You don't, you don't get the same hunger. And don't drink your calories either. Have water. That helps. That's a good yes. way to do it. Water's a good, good one. I started off with some really, I thought it was going to be easy questions. What did you have for breakfast? Oh, I had some toast. You had a bagel with some cereal. Okay, right, whatever. Well, I was going to it's say. the nature of the show. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to now get into some more interesting questions. But I mean, to be honest, they were pretty interesting answers, actually. So this is a, a good omen for things to come. We're talking about different esports stuff today. And we're going to start with my home turf league of legends if you've been following the off-season fanatic and vitality two big horses coming into the spring split their rosters have gotten complete overhauls vitality bringing back perks and alfari from na that kind of been that super team of 2022 and fanatic blowing up their roster and building around upset and hillisang in that bot lane there's a lot of hype around these two rosters my question is, do you think these are the shoe-ined finalists for a spring final? Rich, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think? Um, so if we're talking about reaching the final, as you say, I do think they're definitely the two favourites to do it. Um, if we were talking about regular season, I actually predict that we won't see a Fnatic 1-2 or... Uh, sorry, Fnatic Vitality 1-2 or vice versa. Um, I think that... Fnatic are actually going to start fairly slowly. I think they have some pieces in their team which suggests that. I think Fnatic as an org generally in recent years at least have started fairly slowly and then it's like the comeback and they sneak into playoffs and then they build off that and go on a run. Um, so I don't actually think they're going to finish first. I think they're going to have some some hiccups there. But I do kind of expect to see them in the finals. Uh, in terms of like other teams, I could see maybe playing spoiler. For me, it's... Uh, Rogue and G2. Um, I feel like there's a chance that the Maorang pick up basically the flip lands on heads, right? Like, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, again, like I've said this before, I really wasn't impressed with the jungle pool in EU last year. I don't think that EU junglers were performing well at all. I think Korea, LCK had a fundamental 
a fundamentally better understanding of how to play the jungle. And if he has, via diffusion, obviously he was a sub during Worlds or whatever, but if he has absorbed that, and if jungle doesn't change too drastically um, this season, I think there's a chance that that lands heads. And that, yeah, they I could easily see Rogue, to be honest, winning or coming top two in the regular season. Now, playoffs is another matter. Again, you've got people like Oddo and Larson where regardless of how they do in playoffs, these guys are always like MVP caliber players during regular seasons as well, right? Like they seem to be really suited to the best of ones. Maybe there's less pressure for anyone who maybe thinks there's like an element of choke. So yeah, I can see them do like definitely finishing top two, but I don't see them making finals. Um, G2 as well. I feel like G2 are actually set up to be super successful in the regular season. Obviously, people seen I've been like memeing flacked or whatever on Twitter. You know, overall, I, I stand by that. I don't think it's like a... a really good pickup or something but I think they're just so well set up to start fast you have Yankos and Caps who they weren't necessarily the worst players on their team last split but I'd definitely say they both had down years for them for sure and I think they have something to prove they also they're not stuck in the monotony of like oh god it's we're just running it back again as the same five and who cares about regular season and you know you probably saw those quotes from grabs where which are pretty bizarre to be honest but basically he was telling them like <laughs> who cares about lec like we only care about winning worlds whatever i don't think you'll see that attitude from this team this year because i think they're going to have a really meaty honeymoon phase and also i feel like they have something to prove and obviously on the the other players like broken blade is a good top laner anyway right this is his best chance to do something in europe and um flacked and uh, yeah the bot lane well both rookies so uh i think this team's going to be like really hungry so again do i think they're going to win are they going to be finalists no i do suspect that vitality and fanatic will be the finalists but i don't think it's a two-horse race because i think what could happen is that vitality or fanatic slip up sufficiently during the regular season that they have to run a monster gauntlet basically to reach the final and obviously every time you add an you know it's like a buy in the nfl right every time you add that extra game it doesn't matter how good you are there's always a chance that um multiplying chance essentially that things can go wrong so yeah you I, seem pretty high pretty high on g2 as well not you know outside of fanatic and vitality Are you saying this is like maybe the third your third best team here maybe they can squeak in uh i well yeah i definitely think that they could make finals i'm actually predicting g2 to finish uh top three for sure in regular season and they can definitely make finals um again clearly Fnatic and vitality are the two favorites so i'm not predicting they'll make finals but i also don't yeah. think it's a two horse race well we've seen what eu super teams do so i mean that's fair enough if you don't think vitality can take it all the way Thorin, i'm throwing over to you what are your thoughts Fnatic vitality they're going to be in the spring finals the thing is, if I had to bet, like, gone to my head, I would pick those as the two teams that make the finals. And one of the reasons why is because they're basically all proven players. Like, listen, there's other lineups that you can get into that have, like, interesting angles and stuff. Like, actually, if people don't know the ERL scene, like, actually, the BDS team is pretty interesting if you've never watched any of those players that haven't really, like, made their name in the LEC. The problem is, though, as much as, like, yeah, it's true, I agree. Like, the super team concept means I actually imagine one of the two, either Vitality or Fnatic, one of them probably does underwhelm. But just like I say, the amount of proven quality and the talent and the lineups just look great on paper whereas all the other teams for me have like more question marks like there's a bunch of teams like g2's an obvious example because no one knows what the bot lane's actually going to be like if you go and you look at i think another example is like rogue for me rogue might be a worse version of the old rogue it's a bunch of skilled players at like the laning position still but who the fuck knows how like the supportive elements are yeah. going to work out i think the same thing for teams like um 
I think the other one I would maybe put in that category is Mad Lions. Again, they kept three players, three pretty good players, but who the fuck knows how these other two are going to work out? So to me, those are too many questions. I can't bet on a team where I don't know like 40% of the team's going to play. So I think there's certainly an outside chance one of these teams makes it. I'll even say, I think actually maybe the real crazy sleeper, if you want an out there one, is XL. They've only changed one player. They've uh, added um, Nelson as the assistant coach. So I already think that's interesting. If you know Youngbox philosophy, he is a guy who actually will sort of like he can be quite assertive actually with like the champions in the draft he basically sort of says like I see you was like playing these shops so if you think Nelson's going to essentially feed you the info on what the best picks are from LPL I think that could work well together I think the G2 angle maybe people aren't thinking about in my opinion is because they were so bad with last year's lineup it makes people lose faith that these players are actually good the best thing about them having Dylan Falco as a coach in my opinion is I actually think his strong suit if you look at all the teams he's been in is figuring out the structure of the team like it might take him a little few weeks but by the end of the split he has has all the band-aids or he has like he knows which lane to play through and he was doing that in teams where sometimes there was like one obvious lane to play through so in my opinion if there's any problems with this bot lane he will figure out how to make it the caps and broken blade show and they'll be a good team it's just again will the bot lane be good enough so i personally would say yes i think fanatic and vitality is the final if we have to pick now yeah so yeah. just one thing on on the xl because i think that's an interesting one so i have a kind of like a get a, a hottish uh, take for how XL is going to do. We've spoken about this before where, like, enough is enough when it comes to, to be honest, Joey and this team, oh, sorry, Young Buck and this team, like, they've made so many changes. They It has to work to a certain extent. Yes. My prediction is mm -hmm. he will find a way, he will get it done, but getting it done means getting into playoffs and then there'll be a first round exit. The main reason I say that is something uh, you said, Duncan, which is, yeah, they only made one change, definitely. But that one change I thought was absolute lunacy. I would feel much better, even if you, for some yeah. bizarre reason, you thought uh, uh, Finn was a better, slightly better player than Kreis. The fact that they were playing how they were playing at the end of last split had barely been had any time together. And then you make that change when it wasn't like he was some sore thumb weak link or something. And then you put in... Uh, a very volatile player in Finn. Sure, yeah. And also, if you look at Finn's playoff history as well, like on Rogue, this guy, uh, yeah, I've said it before, like, in my opinion, he basically lost Rogue playoffs uh, on his own with his playstyle. So I don't think they're going to be a factor at all in the playoffs. But I do actually think this will be um, the finally the season where they do actually make it to playoffs. And I think Finn will play a role in that just because, again, his playstyle is so flippy that... He will win some games on his own, I think. Mm -hmm. like, I think he'll actually get his hands on some carries. He's got a really good GP. Um, and I think he there'll be a couple of games, maybe against the weaker teams, where they're kind of going even, going even and you need someone to step up. And he will end up just monster carrying. So, yeah. My, yeah. Sorry, my, I was going to say my point with that. Like, I agree. I think Cries was not a problem on Excel. You've given some more time for Advian and Markun to gel with them. So maybe they do finally make playoffs. That'd be pretty big, right? It's crazy to think they've actually never made playoffs before. Oh, They've got very close a few yeah. times. Just doesn't do it. Um, but honestly, like who who would Finn, who who would Finn abuse in the top sides? Even the weaker teams like Australis. You got oh. White Knight who actually stepped up a lot, you know, last year. And I think maybe you know that's going to be kind of tough to do. I just want to get your thoughts really really quick here before we move on to our next topic. Give me ten seconds. Wonder on Fnatic thoughts. Yes or no? How's it going to go? Thorin, hit me. I personally think he turns it around and this is like John Travolta getting his breaking pulp fiction where he comes back to being prominent. He's not <laughs> like a meme anymore. What are you talking about? Yeah, so I think, I think, 
I think this works. <laughs> I think I don't listen. I don't know if he's like Wonder from 2019 or whatever, but I think he'll again he'll be one of the better top players. If you look at that team, he doesn't even have to be the best. So I'm actually I'm actually going to say, and this is not for the purposes of entertainment or anything. Okay. I think he's going to yeah. be a complete disaster. My hot take is I think he's going to be awful. I, I, I this is a combination of like really small things that I've seen even in just in solo huh? queue, which I'm, I'm not usually somebody like scours solo queue or whatever, but I have been monitoring it to a certain extent. And also kind of a feeling I have with some of the personalities on the team, which maybe we'll get into a bit later more specifically. But yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a disaster. I think you will see a worse version of Wonder this year than you saw last year. Okay. By the way, I will say though, the problem with this question as a topic is it's a good topic to like make us commit to what our answer is. But I will say, of all the esports I've followed, LEC regular season and playoffs is one of the most volatile of any game I've ever followed. That's why it's amazing when people like G2 do just reel off all those wins. Like the amount of times it's a surprise finalist is pretty crazy. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right, we've got a little bit of faith there for one, and not so much on Richard's side, but that's fine. We'll see what happens. LEC starting up very soon as well. So uh, we'll get some answers to that sooner rather than later. Moving on, however. At a League of Legends, into Counter-Strike, but we're still sticking with some familiar familiar faces here. We've got Vitality in the CSGO scene. Uh, they've they've created a pretty hype new roster coming through here, and, and their CEO, Neo, was talking to HLTV, and he said, and I quote, When this team starts winning, we will win for a long, long time. Now that sounds like the words or the rumblings of a dynasty there and CSGO dynasties or even going back into 1.6 days or even Source days, you know, they're, you know, we've got some big names and big shoes to follow. What are your thoughts, you know, with that vitality, with that roster? Dynasty material? Yes or no? Rich, I'm going to come to you first again. Um, so I personally believe this team will not win a major, let alone be a dynasty. And if you look down the list of players, the talent is undeniable. Like, it's a very, very good roster. Um, is it better than Na'Vi? Or something? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go that far just because of continuity reasons or whatever. It's definitely major winning level talent, for sure. But my issue, and I, I had this thought before I started sort of uh, looking uh, some, some things up about this. My issue immediately was, oh, mixed language team. And then I went and actually looked at the previous major winning teams, the entire list, a mixed language team, if we don't count Belgium happened. and France yeah. and we don't count Ukraine and Russia, Russia and all that, yeah, of course. Yes. They've never won a major. No, and they've always flattered to deceive. I mean, I won't go through all the lists, but if you talk about the sort of era-defining teams, I think it'd be fair to say Nip, then sort of very games Envy. They kind of had a baby era. Then obviously Fnatic went on crazy run. You can plug in Virtus Pro, who are always a threat. Luminosity, well, when they were SK as well. Then of course Astralis for the last however many years, and you know Team Liquid coming in at the end of that, even though obviously they didn't have the same major success. And now of course Navi. All of those teams are either speak the exact same language, or you know when you see people like Guardian. Um, quoted about how the comms worked and stuff he said basically they speak quasi russian in game like when he was on navi yes. it's like the language is sufficiently close that it's fine and yeah i think that's very interesting and very telling and if you look at the teams that have been put together in the past with a view to basically breaking through and becoming a major contenders or whatever the most obvious examples would be like the phase lineups right which were these awesome. or you know players plucked from countries all over the shop and to be honest Obviously, they had that uh, crazy final with Team Liquid. Um, but, uh, Cloud9. Oh, sorry, yeah, Cloud9. But outside of that, they really flattered to deceive. And it wasn't just a case of like, 
oh, they, you know, didn't quite make it, which in a literal sense is true because they lost a very close final. But outside of that final, I can almost class that final as an anomaly and say that whenever you look at the other majors, they they were so far off the level they should have been at overall player for player that to me, I do read a lot into the language side of that. Um, and then obviously you have more recent recent examples like Team Liquid have tried to do it a bit with, you know, Brazilian players sometimes. And now you know, they brought Shox in as well, right? I also don't think that's going to work, personally. I love Shox. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I don't see it working. It's going to be the first time, I believe I'm right in saying, that he's played in the team that doesn't just speak French, basically. Um, and for whatever reason, this isn't really a thing in League of Legends, right? Or it doesn't seem to be a thing like people mix and match all the time. But there is a huge amount of precedence to suggest that purely on that basis, the odds are against them. Now, again, like I'm not going to count out the players individually and say that means player X will underperform, but I do think it is... Uh, I, I, I'm going to guess against that they'll actually win a major, and I'm certainly betting against Dynasty. The only last point I would make, or that's worth mentioning, is obviously Zonix, the head coach, right? Which I think is very interesting. Obviously, he coached um, the Astralis Dynasty, and I think that obviously gives them a better chance of success for sure like it's definitely a major factor and let's just say if they do win a major i believe it's likely looking back on it that will be one of the reasons why but if you if you you know push me to an answer will they be a win a major no and do i think they're being a dynasty well obviously the obvious extension of that is also no but real quick how long do you give this roster then well yeah that's another interesting thing i i suspect this exact iteration of players will not be around for that long because the way vitality and making moves and the money they're willing to spend and the the partnership deals they've done i think they will not be the most patient organization in the world maybe that's unfair i'm just guessing here that because of the amount of money you spend obviously you're wanting some kind of return even if it's not financial you'd want at least the the a level of success that warrants the investment so i'm gonna uh, i don't really want to put a time on it i'll i'll say i'll say they won't they won't make it past the new year as this five that they'll they'll have right. uh, had enough disappointments not making it past the new year not making it past the major and certainly not making it into dynasty thorin do you share the same sentiment or are you a bit higher on this vitality roster i do a bit in the sense that like he has brought up some very good historical precedents that basically do currently work as filters against if you win the major like that is a very apt one basically he actually phrased it the right way people typically unfortunately tend to say like you're a team from one country or you're an international team well the problem is obviously technically like navi for example is an international team it's like a player from ukraine there's a player from russia like that but i think it's better if you just say mixed language because realistically culturally and language wise they're close enough that like put it this way you could argue like the way east coast of america and the west coast of america is, is different as russia and ukraine are if not more who knows right so what i would say is like that fact it is an issue because i do think essentially you have to have something that's going to make up for why you're at a disadvantage because here's where it's different i'll tag on to what he said about league i was actually shocked when i first started following daughter and league that by default the best teams are all multinational and sometimes ridiculously so like you can have a korean come and like barely like speak broken english but with like a european and american this can happen in games like daughter and league and by the way that could be the best team but i think the reason why is actually self-contained logic it's that all the teams are like that so you're not actually ever competing against a team that's all danish for example because they're the well, best team. Welsh, right? 
And then it's the Korean teams and the yes. Chinese team. And that's... They're the rare exception, yeah. In the West, yeah. though, obviously, we mix the teams up, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. I would say is this. The problem this team's going to have is that factor is immediately set against them because all their competition are the single-language teams. It's like Na'Vi, it's uh, mm-hmm. Gambit, uh, Vitality, uh, no, sorry, not Vitality, Heroic. Uh, I'd even say Virtus Pro is a sleeper in this sense. These are all teams that are not going to have a second's problem communicating. And this is also where MOBAs are different from CS. Because in CS, the com that you make isn't just like help or get that guy like that can be a very you can say that in a million ways it tends to be you have to say something really specific like quick there's a guy behind me at the door and there's two then one flash like the problem with that is that i was yanko my old mate who does the analysis who actually was a coach at one point in time who phrased it the best way i've heard he said in cs the right call a second too late becomes the wrong call if you can get that concept it's why it's really hard it's why actually even though rich was pretty harsh on phase clan i don't listen they should have won that major over cloud nine but i don't actually hold too much against them because essentially they were trying to win in a way no one ever has in the history of Counter-Strike. They were trying to do something totally unique and they actually had, and this is another point I'll tie into this one, they were very unique compared to the other mixed language rosters we've had because most times you have a mixed language roster, you have, for example, like normally in each country that has the all one country teams, the best in-game leader, which is a really valuable piece in Counter-Strike, especially more so than actually even the league, it's the equivalent of having like Mata, Mithy, these players that are just, you know, every team they're on always works. Those guys are really important to have, and unfortunately, a lot of the mixed national roster teams, minus that FaZe Clan lineup, don't have the best in-game leader, so they're already a little bit crippled in that sense, like, and then add in, if you speak like second language, you're also not going to be able to potentially to execute the same level of tactics, because again, too many moving pieces, you want to keep it very simple. It's actually the reason why I think, unfortunately, a lot of people actually think Carrigan's a bit overrated, because they think in FaZe Clan, he wasn't being super tactical, but they don't understand. He not only had superstar players, but they're all speaking a second language, so of course he's not going to make it super complicated. He's going to trust that the best players frag out. So I actually see Vitality in a similar vein to the FaZe project. Like to me, the good news is this. Apex seemed like he was a pretty good in-game leader last year. If not, they have Magus who could potentially transition. He already did it in Astralis. That's a, a really good sign. But my problem there is, I actually think that leans more towards what Rich is saying about the lineup length. I don't even know if this lineup will play more than one major bit. Like I actually suspect, because there's enough good base pieces, that actually essentially it has to succeed but maybe not with this lineup like if this one doesn't make it you do just buy another player you pick which player you want to kick could be Masuka, could be could be anyone maybe one of the Astralis players doesn't make it and there's another angle I have the problem we're having here is when you see the two Astralis names on paper Magus and Dupree you think of them winning majors right here's a, a spoiler they're not going to be on any top 20 player lists for 2021 they weren't top players like Magus was an in-game leader half the time and Dupree's level like a lot of the players on the team just dropped down stats wise so people actually are, I think are getting ahead of themselves and the fact that we have to find out who those players are again if those players can be really good now we're cooking with gas they've got all the pieces to maybe do it one thing i'll say is this there's two factors here for me one is if you have ziwu which they do that is like if you're a football team and you have messi or ronaldo yep. you immediately just that player alone means you've got like at minimum a dark horse chance even if you even bad. i know that mate. yeah i'm not a csgo guy and even i know that mate. so to me if you've got like there's three of them really in csgo it's simple nico and ziwu yep. if you have one of these three players by the way as g2 just showed you they had no business being in the final of the major you anything's possible with those players so the fact you've got ziwu already means you've at least you, you have to at least entertain this conversation and then it's it's like how many of the other pieces fit in. If they do fit in, they can challenge. The problem is, I personally see them more like a number two or number three, even if things go well. I suspect they won't be number one. Do you think, like, if it wasn't... Let's imagine they're all French or they're all Danish. 
And it's purely just the talent we're looking at here. Because both of you guys have mentioned language barrier being like mixed comms and stuff being like the main point here. You touched it towards the end there, actually, how you, you're not really convinced that Magic Sword Dupree are going to be in like top 20 playlists. Do you think just from a pure talent perspective, this could be a dynasty level team? Or are you not even sold from that level? The trouble is in Counter-Strike, unlike League, actually, people's form does go up and down. Like You can have an off year and you can go back and be really good. I mean, in League, some would say they just kick you out of the League. That's why you don't get yeah. a chance to do that. But, <laughs> you know, if you've got a big name like Dupree or something, they're not going to kick you now. You get to play a couple more years and have a chance, you know. So the thing is, the fact that there's two of them and they both were really good players, I would guess at least one gets pretty good again. You know, I don't think they're idiots. The only problem is, and this is a secondary factor that is in the background, another detail, you'll like this, Rich, is another historical filter you can put on. No team and core of players, which becomes the major winning team and goes to the top, ever does it again years later. It doesn't happen in Counter-Strike. As bizarre as it sounds, what happens is, like he says, Nip comes up and then they slow, They become just a good team. Then Fnatic comes up. They never go back to the fans again. Then you have... It just goes like that for some reason. I would suspect one of the reasons why is in Counter-Strike, at least in the old circuit, you do play a lot of tournaments. So I think what happens is you make here while the sun's out. When you're on top, you go so ham, it probably does to some degree burn you out after that. And so my main question for the Astralis players is just, do they have the hunger actually? Like... Again, the problem with this is this happens in off-season league as well. When it's in the off-season, you can't play the game. You think you want to play again. You think you want to get another championship. But maybe three weeks in, you go, actually, this is a bloody grind, isn't it? I've already won all the majors. I'm getting paid a mega salary. It's not that you're going to afford it in. You just may be only 80% of what you were. And that, unfortunately, could be enough to make these names not as valid as they immediately seem. What are your thoughts on that, Rich? Yeah, I think... If we are like remove the language element and we look at it from a pure talent perspective, as I said, it's definitely major willing talent, uh, winning talent. Yeah, yeah. Apart from anything else, even if all of these guys, let's just say they would be in like the uh, twenty-four to forty bracket of like best players in the world, the fact that you have Zaiwu as that X factor, as Thorin mm -hmm. said, immediately makes you at least an outside contender in every major you qualify for. Right? The sort of one angle I'm guessing I'm thinking about as well is like once you make the decision to go or that you're open to the idea of a mixed lineup this could be like you could hear some it wouldn't surprise me if you'd heard uh, hear some info like five ten years from now when these players are no longer playing and someone who was in and around vitality at the time basically says that this was a decision made by someone very lazy who didn't really understand counter-strike and basically wanted to hire people who'd had a lot of success in the past and that is no shade whatsoever on matchist <clears throat> and dupree but if you were to take the most important players, in my opinion at least, from those major winning runs, neither of those would be on my list. So yeah. it's kind of like, it, it kind of almost comes across as like a lazy gem move of uh, which teams have uh, won majors in the last two years? Uh, okay, how expensive is the device? Oh, well, we kind of have an opera as well, as well I guess. Uh, oh, uh, what about Zipnix? Uh, oh, well, actually these two, maybe we can get these two. But sir, they weren't the best two players on their own team. Well, whatever, just get them. Like they've won majors, they'll win majors for us. Like there could be an element of that. That is obviously a cynical take, but I... The names don't quite fit for me on paper. It does have an element of, I already have this one like insane superstar. I also have a very good entry fragger slash in-game leader in Apex. Um, uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm slightly suspicious of how it's put, put together. So definitely though, to answer your question on talent, absolutely. If I had to hedge a bet, I will say no, they will not win a major. And as I said, I don't think the lineup will last that long because I think the investment was too big to be disappointed.
By the way, if someone isn't a CSGO fan, it's also a lot more rare that you have, like, pure flukes win the major. So, as a result, yeah, if they're going to win the major, they probably do have to be, like, number one and number two and number three team. Like, that's just where you have to be because of how hard it is, you know. It's not like Worlds where you just can lock into, like, a meta. Or, remember, the meta's going to be pretty much the same in Counter-Strike like, the whole year. So, there, there aren't as many variables, I don't think, to have the, the one-off crazy ones. I, I'm fairly confident we can say on this one. So I don't want to like stick on this topic for too long, but I do have like just a follow-up question. As someone who like I, I played a lot of Counter Strike, was the first like competitive game that I ever played at like 1.6 back in the day on the LAN cafes with those big big ass CRT monitors that are like the size of your whole body and stuff. Oh. Love those days. And when the grenades were like you know those kind of tubes and they would just spin in the air when you throw them. Good old times. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm getting too nostalgic here. My question is like, are super teams in CS:GO like? as doomed as they tend to be in in, in an esport like like league of legends because I, I think um 2015 fanatic right i believe it was in spring when they had still back as their ad carry he got replaced yes. instantly by reckless um in the in the summer split and then in the summer they're like one of the best teams whatever but they were still very good in spring and i and i feel like you kind of have to have these like role players in your team you know like you have the great talents but then you have teams or players that can play more of like that supportive role like the weak side of things like that where you can kind of just they don't have to be that superstar. Is it? Do you feel that like there's an element of that to CS:GO at all? And to that extent, just getting all these big names isn't necessarily uh, a key to success. Or is it really just like you know, the more talent, the better? It's kind of like league in a sense that like you can model it similarly. Part of the reason why realistically super teams in Dota and League of Legends don't work is because there's already so much farm and everyone can't just get an equal amount right. of farm. Like logically, depending on the champion, the comp, the players, you want resources to go to caps over, say, it could be depending on what the lineup is. Let's just say like, oh, do I'm there? If he was your top player. Like, you know, people know which way the bread's buttered on that one. The problem is it's quite similar in CS in the sense that there are resources, but they're not as obvious as farm. Resources are concepts like do you get support from the people around you do you get the utility thrown for you or do you have to throw it for them do you does someone create space in which you can then come in and know nobody's behind me and i can take a clean duel someone these aspects basically necessitate just like in league you have to have the weak side player and you have to have a guy who can play a supportive jungle star in the same sense depending on the personnel you do have to have those pieces in fact the key thing in my opinion is most super teams tend to be that mistake it's where you have like to give the league example you have three people who should have all the resources but now they're all on one team and there isn't enough resources to go around and as you've seen in league listen those teams if they're really exceptional maybe they're model through anyway or maybe like g2 they find some weird yeah. sort of like this game you have it but then i have this one that's very very rare though and i'd say in cs it's the same thing like typically one of the things i mean this vitality team is a great example by the way because the last vitality lineup which on paper was a way worse lineup was legitimately like the second best team at the end of the year because again it's like they were more than the sum of the parts like the, some even some of the negative mm -hmm. elements you could work around it as it were so i think it's i think it's more that like i think in a way when you don't have all the best players it almost becomes it almost is obvious how you should play the game in a sense you know like this gt lineup in league of legends they're obviously not going to go we are a bot lane only team because that's the least experienced part of the team so i think in some ways it also actually you almost have like too many luxuries when you have too many stars you know and you can take it for granted as well there's another concept i'll just throw in there quickly which is a lot of players who are good naively think they could play every style of the game and every role and they don't know that like if you're a high resource super skilled like mechanical adc you're gonna have a nightmare if you have to play low econ weak side adc your whole life you're gonna think you can do it because you're gonna think he's less skilled than me yeah but there's actually a craft to do with that you know yeah. there's a craft to, it's like we always said about people like oh do I it? there's actually a skill to losing with grace mm -hmm. yeah For i sure. would i would also just add on to that like 
even even in the early uh, sort of dynasties of CS, even though of course it's a slight uh, yeah slight misnomer because obviously CS existed before CS:GO. But if you look at like the NIP and the Fnatic lineups, for example. Those players had very defined roles, like very specific roles. You're never going to see someone like lurking around the back end of Dust 2 and coming around like Get Right did. Like Forrest isn't going to do that consistently in a game. No one else on that team's going to do that. The way Fiflaren played as like a very pure support player, like this guy was never going to pop off and get you 40 frags. But in that moment in time, for what they wanted to do, Fiflaren was a good player in the sense that he fit into his role. No one's ever going to have him on some top 10 list of players of all time, even though he's associated with one of the greatest dynasties of all time. But I do think those early teams, and it, even in uh, the most successful dynasties now, a lot of the players have very defined roles. And as Thorin said, like, if you have Nico, Simple, Zaiwu, Device, like, obviously those are largely Orpers, but even if you were to take Rivalers or whatever, who all have this kind of um, a super aggressive play style where they want to get theirs, it's not going to work. Or I would imagine that it wouldn't work. Maybe a com uh, comparable could be like someone like Bengi in uh, SKT. You know, like I wouldn't put him in my top three, maybe probably not even top five jungles of all time, but he was a key part to that dynasty of, uh, you know, Faker and that lot that won. Yeah, countless championships. Anyway, I feel like I've got I've, I've, I've kind of bled this topic dry a little bit. I do find super teams quite interesting because it's always that thing on paper they oh. should do well and they just. Always disappoint, but that's kind of exciting as, as well. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love an underdog story, so it's kind of cool to watch the yeah for sure super teams just like crash and burn, and they do that all the time. And anyway, I want to move on now. Our CS:GO, we're moving on to Valorant here. A bit more of a serious topic on this one. Uh, this week, a Scottish Valorant player called Avexic he was accused of sexual misconduct, sexual assault, and grooming minors. Uh, as a result, he was instantly dropped from his organization, Scalp. Now, this is all like just a, quite quite a uh, recent story, so right, haven't been able to make any kind of judgment on this just yet. But in comparison, around this time last year, Sinatra on Sentinels had a similar thing, similar accusations, and was instantly, uh, instantly like Riot picked up on it and six months ban, whatever. But notably, his organization did not drop him. Now, Sinatra is a much bigger uh, name, a much bigger brand uh, than Avexic, but do you think in general, like, what is the responsibility of your organization as a pro player to kind of, uh, you know, deal out the judgment in these kind of situations here, bearing in mind as well that neither player have necessarily been like um, tried with anything or, 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 or convicted, so to speak, of anything. Do you think like there should be that like due course? Uh, and is it is it the responsibility of the organizations to do that? I've gone to Rich first and pass your topic. So Thorin, mate, take me away. Right, the thing with this topic, which is really tricky, is I'm not in any way trying to determine, like, I'm not the judge and jury in this particular case, which is essentially the, the point of the question. So the question is, should the team basically be before there has been a real judge and jury and it's gone to court and you found out if the person did something by the laws of the land considered criminal? The problem I have is this, right? If we're talking in the most pure sense, I think in the most pure sense, like, you probably should let the police and people like that handle it. And then the idea is if they come to a conclusion, it will impact what happens. The problem becomes the logistical realities of esports is that court case isn't going to be decided next week. It might be a year, it might be two years from now. So the problem is that could be a whole person's career in esports. I mean, in your team, not many people play more than a couple of years in one team. So the issue is the whole time you're gambling, if you basically say it, 
I'll wait and see if he's guilty. That for those years, that stigma is attached to you. And then God forbid he then does get found guilty. Because by the way, even though technically you wouldn't have done anything wrong, people will retcon history as you allowed this person and in some way you almost supported them. So my issue is, I would say, the last thing I'd shared in is there's sort of a cheat get out on this question, which is realistically right now, esports doesn't actually make back the money it has invested into it. So essentially right now, esports is just marketing. Like the games almost exist for marketing purposes, like to sell a hoodie, to sell like the concept of gaming itself, all these aspects, the idea that like it's a burgeoning sport, all excitement, fan excitement. So the problem is, I would say, actually, at the moment, image probably is more than the substance of esports. I would just say, on that reason alone, as unfair as it may end up being with someone who might be found innocent, maybe they found that, like, it was misconstrued what they said, or people cut out parts of a log. Even if that happens, I'm sorry, unfortunately, in the current esports landscape, just business-wise, you probably should actually shed what, in that scenario, would be described as a toxic asset. Whereas if you go to, like, I mean admittedly in the modern day actually things like the nfl are like this if you actually get these acquisitions you will sometimes be benched but i'll just say if you go back like 10 years or something in sports i mean european soccer was rife for this you could have some pretty outrageous allegations against you and you're still playing next week until you get sent to prison basically like so i would say i think in the modern day probably image is the most important thing so i think most people just to, just to protect the company probably would and should shed their person even though i will say that does leave a very small outside chance that people can essentially just play God with people's careers. And uh, and by the way, God forbid a team ever attempted like sabotage or espionage in this manner, because again, how would you prove it's not the case? You haven't got to the due process yet, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, I think as well, like I mentioned, you know, Sinatra is, is a big brand and stuff. So if, if you're talking about sure. marketing, talks to assets and whatnot, like sure, if it's a, if it's a stainless career, if you can still bring in the money and you can still bring in the eyes onto your org, then maybe that did, play into it i mean to be honest maybe it sounds cynical of me but if it was someone that was you know some no-name oh, you've been kicked like, instantly hey, yeah for sure right exactly and sure. That, that itself kind of brings up yeah a bit a bit worrying trends honestly and it, it's a very difficult subject to talk about so rich like what, what are your thoughts in general on this as well yeah so i'm gonna go in a completely different direction with this um i'm gonna i from a practical cynical business standpoint i do agree with thorin that it's let's call it the safest play is to uh, protect your business by releasing the player. I'm going to come at it from a moralistic standpoint, which is, I think, categorically, morally, absolutely the, the player should or the organization should protect its player. When I say protect the player, I don't mean oh. cover up for him or anything like that. But I believe, obviously, in innocent until proven guilty, uh, as, of course, you know, I'm sure you guys do as well. And essentially, you're issuing a punishment based on a guilty verdict, which doesn't actually exist. That is the essence yes. of what's happening, right? And something else I would say is, like, people love to compare this kind of stuff to, like, a police officer or, like, a medical practitioner being suspended. But the difference is that those professions are usually directly tied to whatever they've been accused of, right? It's like a cop has shot a civilian under circumstances that didn't, it wasn't warranted, right? Or that's the accusation. Therefore, that officer is suspended pending an internal investigation. But the reason why is because you are, you have to, you have an obligation to protect citizens against someone who, yes, they're not necessarily guilty, but you have to assume that they at least could be guilty to protect citizens, right? And the same for a medical practitioner. If loads of people are dying at that person's hospital with conditions they shouldn't be dying from, 
it could be really bad luck, but you're probably going to suspend that practitioner pending an investigation because, again, lives are literally at, at stake, right? The issue with this, obviously, both this Sinatra and both with the uh, Scottish player in question is you have a clear disconnect between the profession, what they do, and what the issue was outside of the game. They both involve personal lives, essentially, right? Which, in theory, have zero overlap with what they do on the day-to-day. -day. So when they bench the player or release the player, they're not protecting women because the fact that he now no, no longer can go on stage and play Valorant has nothing to do with how he may or may not have been harassing or, uh, you know, whatever it is that they've been accused of, right? There's no inherent connection there whatsoever. So... Again, from a business standpoint, yes, it, it, to protect yourself and everything, um, of course, that's like the safest route to go down. But I think that personally, and maybe this is a little bit idealistic, I think organizations should treat their players as innocent until uh, proven otherwise. And I think that they should back their players until proven otherwise. You have, yes, it's a, a working relationship. Yes, business can be brutal or whatever. But if if you're not sure or, you know, even close to sure whether or not accusations levied against someone are true or not, I definitely believe you should be backing that person. Again, you're not saying, don't worry, bro, I know you're innocent. It just means our relationship continues until we are proved otherwise. So that that's my viewpoint on that. I'll push back a little bit because here's the thing. I agree with you in principle. Like, basically, what you've described is what I think. Like I said, basically, I do think technically, if it was me, basically, I would I would support the person. I would wait till the, the courts take care of it, etc. But I'll give two angles because I can go either way. It depends who what position I'm from. Like if I'm actually fanatic, maybe I'd have to take a take on this topic. So I'd go like this, right? There's two angles where I can go for and against kicking them. One reason, by the way, not to kick them, and this is a very cynical reason, but I guarantee there are orgs who think like this, is because here's how drama works in esports. When I kick Sinatra because he's accused of this, right? By the way, if in six to eight months I'm purposely picking the Sinatra case for this, it actually now seems less certain that things were exactly as they were presented and there's maybe not even going to be like a legal thing happen. In that scenario, spoiler, someone is going to pick him up because he was one of the best players in the world so the problem is the team that picks him up they will have a competitive advantage over you because what they're saying is i've sort of dodged the main part of the drama and now i get to like rebuild this but in that scenario if you're the main org this is what happened in csgo by the way with the cheating coaches a lot of the orgs felt like yeah but why should i fire him because he cheated because after he serves out his bad he's just going to join my rival i'm just giving them my best coach for example i get that angle another angle i would say is this though again if i'm thinking of myself rich here's what i would do if i was h2k rich and it was h2k and one of my players did this i would have to say this assuming this is one of the cases where we've got like chat logs for example i would say this to the player look i'm not going to tell you like give me your password you just log into twitter right now and just show me what the t what the chat log looks like from your side like just prove to me what it was and, it and unfortunately by the way if i see in that chat log there is some shady shit mate i can kick you whether it's legal or not like you i, I just don't want to be represented by someone like you i would also say there's that angle. like i would essentially do my own internal investigation as well I would like if I'm actually if it's Thorin Enterprise in this case or Riches, you know. But the point is, if we're talking about the the wider industry, I actually think the prevailing sentiment is it's fine to kick them because they've sort of like made a bad PR, whether that's right or not, you know. Yeah, I definitely I think... agree. So I was just gonna, I definitely agree yeah, with yeah, like, yeah, the internal investigation stuff. Like you're an employ, you have an employer-employee relationship. You are absolutely 
at liberty, you know, to, to investigate whoever you want, who you're paying a salary to, like for sure. So if they, um, you know, at the same time, I think if you requested chat logs, they would also have a right to say no to that. But then, awesome. but of, yeah, of yeah. course, you can, as the, the employer, you're allowed to make your own conclusions based on yep. the fact that they're not willing to cooperate in that sense. In fact, just to remind people, by the way, what Sinatra was actually banned for was not cooperating with the investigation. Yes. That's actually what the ban was for. Which, to be honest, if that's true, I think that's fair enough. Like, If you're dealing with something that sensitive and someone is really being a roadblock to help dig in and get to the answers... Absolutely, you should ban the guy. Like, Verita Boy was like, come on, dude. Like, you're not even going to share this stuff with me. Like, this is what supposedly is proving your innocence or otherwise. Like, you're holding the smoking gun or you have access to the curtain. Can I push back on that, though, Rich? Okay. Because here's the problem. In the case you're talking about, I believe the evidence in question was an actual sex tape of him having sex with his then girlfriend. So here's the problem with that scenario, Rich. If I'm Sinatra, whether I'm guilty or not, I don't have to fucking show Riot Games. The guy, guy who made Timo can't make me show him my sex tape. I don't care what crime you think I've done. In that scenario, I'm sorry, mate, I'll take the ban. Like, you okay, ain't ever I, seen my sex tape. So in that case, I'll go, I'll wait for the courts, you know. Yeah, like, no, I, I, I believe that was like, wasn't that, yeah, am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that like the hinging point, you yeah, know? So I, again, like, listen, I agree. If you want Riot not to ban you, you should show them it. But I'm just saying, there's no universe you'll ever see me send a .mp4 file to anyone from Riot in my lifetime, you know? No, no, no. I, I, so I completely <laughs> I forgot. I completely forgot that it was a fucking sex tape that they requested and to be honest what the actual domino effect that this should be is whoever requested that sex tape should be getting invested yeah, well, right was... now that's the I mean, yeah. let's just put this out there we're all in the esports industry of league of legends if you think there's no chance that would leak are you out of your mind yeah. <laughs> we'd all have seen we'd all have seen it by now it's just that that also just as as a concept you can imagine. It was wild. You can imagine the conversation where there's a lull, and then the guy's like, "So, can I get a glimpse of that sex tape so we can move on?" Like, how does that even? How is that even a, a collective decision that's been come yes. to that that's the next step? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that that was actually the. If that was the sticking point, I don't know if that was the sticking point or not. But if it was, then yeah, okay, that that is uh, iffy territory for sure. Something like that as well. It's, it, it complicate. It becomes even more complicated when you know if you're trying to prove your innocence. You know, and yeah, it's like I shouldn't have to give you that. You know, like I, yep. that's very intimate. It's very personal. And even even from you know from 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 the girl's perspective as well. Like I don't think she would. Well, like it's just it's just an icky situation for like everyone involved. You know, and it's just, that's just very odd. That just strikes me as very peculiar. But you know, I mean, I'm not obviously not involved in any of these investigations. But that 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 is a bit strange. Okay. I think. I, yeah, I, thanks I think for, thanks for clarifying right there, that. But, but, um, <laughs> things to say in this, I would have never brought ourselves into it in any context whatsoever. You know, no, 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 no. I just, it's just, that's just odd. That is just, it's not the first time I've thought of that when I've heard, you know, riots done something. I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's peculiar. But anyway, I, I think the best way to sum it up. There's a quote from from someone said it in the NFL. I can't remember exactly word for word what it is, but um, it's it's something like if Hannibal Lecter could run a 20 or something if he could run fast we'd all describe him as having an eating disorder and i think that yes. kind of just perfect yeah with any of these things really but i also do want to say as well because i know we've kind of maybe, maybe to just like give something to the other side of the argument too like i, I i've been i've been around esports as long as uh you have i mean i haven't been alive as long as you have for mate you're ancient at this point and rich you know you've been doing all your stuff like you've owned yeah. organizations you've you you 
I'm far more experienced than me. And I, I, I bet when I say this, you'll probably agree as well. There's a lot of shady shit in esports. Sure. And people, people are twats as well. Um, and to be perfectly honest, like I'm, I'm, I'm for hold for more accountability. Having said that, of course, and I don't think either of you guys have have even uh, suggested that you're not for more accountability either. Um, it's got to be done properly, in it. Like you yes, can't just, exactly. Yeah, you can't just throw people under the bus necessarily. But it's a serious it's it's a serious issue, and I think honestly, just outside of esports in general, you know, sexual assault allegations. You know, when you think of Henry Weinstein and things like that. Like it's it's one of those things that I think the world's more like. Um, I think it was maybe like a like a like a I don't know whether it's like I don't want to say it's like the world's best kept secret, but it was it was it was an open secret. It's like an open secret in the industries, yeah, of course, exactly, exactly. exactly. Yes. So so it, it's it's a complicated one. It's definitely a complicated one. I, but... I actually think the darkest element of it is what the point you made actually, which is true. Just like in the NFL, the real reality is: is this a superstar player? In which case, yeah. is there any way we can actually keep him? If you're just a, a bench player, you're gone tomorrow. Like it's, there's not even that discussion. That's why the Hannibal Lecter quotes are an apt one. Yeah, of course, you'd find a way to rationalize in your brain, right? Absolutely. Um... We'll move on from that one, though, because we're going to move on to something uh, slightly more upbeat and a little bit more fun as well. This is a little bit of a, um, a competition between our two lovely panelists here with Thorin and Rich. Uh, this is called Who Wins? Now, these two guys, I'm sure they've got a slight competitive bone in their body, and they're going to predict who's going to win in the first week of the LEC here between BDS and Fnatic. Now, why are they predicting this? What's this got to do? What's on the line? Well, to be honest, you don't actually know what's on the line just yet. We're going to figure that out later. But you're going to get one point if you get it right. And the first of five points as we go up to, you know, with all these episodes going through, and we'll have to do, we'll, we'll surrender a, a forfeit to the opponent. Okay, so if you, I've explained that terribly. You get five points, you can make the other geezer do something awful, essentially. All right. So, like I said, this one is Fnatic versus BDS. I know you two are going on separate sides here, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, excellent. So let's start with you, Thorin, here. Who's going to win between Fnatic and BDS? Right, I'll explain it by initially actually undercutting Rich's whole point that he never told me, but I can already guess. So his point, basically, he's already said it earlier. He thinks Fnatic will start slow, maybe Wonder won't be good. They'll have to figure it out. And so his logic is maybe BDS comes in and they're just good, like, in week one, basically, which obviously does happen in LEC. If people have never seen, week one's when everyone's practiced the least. They've had no official games. Some of you have never even lived together. Some of you have never even been in LEC. So the volatility in the first weeks is crazy. That's why everyone knows the, the really great teams tend to put it on in the playoffs. So I would say this the reason i personally have picked fanatic to win this one is i think bds is just too much of an unknown quantity like that like five band lineup has zero history together like even though it's not like the fanatic players have much history together first of all the bot lane is still the fucking best bot lane in eu that's a great start then you've got like an amazing mid laner like there's still there's so many positives for fanatic that like until i actually see them fail in the server i'm gonna be like the discussion about the super team thing i'm gonna be the naive guy going look at all these names bloody hell wow they've got him and him and so I'm just going to believe for now that BDS, I think they're the team that get, starts going by the middle of the split. I think they've got to, got to get a bit of experience under their belts. And I do value experience fairly highly. Okay, so Fnatic for Thor in there. And what are you thinking then, Rich? Obviously, it's going to be BDS, but why? So, yeah, I guess some of this is more about how I think Fnatic will start rather than how BDS will mm. start. Although I do actually think BDS will have a quick start. So I'll start with Fnatic. The reason why I don't think that Fnatic is going to do well is based on some specifics, but again, also some recent historical precedents. Fnatic as an org, and yes, the players are not always the same. They're not the exact same they were this time. 
They've typically been slow starters in recent years. Players like Killersang have typically had not particularly good regular seasons in general, but certainly the first sort of uh, half of the season haven't been firing on all cylinders. They've also signed Humanoid, who, you know, for my money, most people's money, the best performing mid laner in Europe last season. But he was part of a culture, and I believe a big part of defining the culture on a team last season who basically phoned in the regular seasons, as far as I can see. Um, and I don't believe there's that sort of super... And, you know, it's not like he's moving now from a small team to a really big team, maybe org-wise, but in terms of being a, uh, a contender, he's coming off the back of two LEC wins, right? And again, I'm not saying that every team who has success is all then going to have the lull. The G2 dynasty went on for a really long time. Um, but I do think, from what I see and know about Humanoid, that he is not going to be like some super hungry, I have to prove myself immediately out of the gates having joined Fnatic. I think he's going to be the opposite. I think it's going to be more of a Hillisang thing where he's going to not actually perform up to his best consistently during the regular season and that he will probably peak in playoffs if he is to peak. Um, so yeah, I think that Fnatic is just going to be pretty slow to get started. I also, as I alluded to before, I don't trust Wonder at all. I think Wonder. I think, I mean... Adam actually played very well against Wonder last split. If you go back mm. and look at the games where Adam and Wonder matched up, Wonder was horrendous. And Adam had probably his best games against Wonder in during any matchup. So, yeah, and on the BDS side, I just think that they have players who have been sitting back, or not sitting back, but on the assembly line waiting to get back into LEC, feeling like they deserve to be in LEC for a long time. Ex Matty's been on the peripheries of LEC for a long time. He's come off the back of multiple EU Masters wins. Targamas, who, if people don't remember, is not a rookie. That's why he's not on the rookie of the season list. He was playing on Giants when they got relegated. They, he was the best player on that team and then inexplicably got kicked, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Either way, he did not come back to the LEC after that split, when, in my opinion, he definitely deserves to be on the team. And he's been wandering Parga the wilderness. Mask is on G2, by the way. Yeah, he's I, not on BDS. I wonder where you're going with B this. Oh, BDS sorry. has a limit instead. It's all right. right. So, yeah, okay. so, oh, I, I'm... I'm uh, you just had a brain fart on that one. Yeah, yeah I've completely no, brain cool. fired that. Well, forget that. I'll probably edit that out so you never even get to see it. All right. Fair enough. We'll see. We'll see. Um, right. But yeah, regardless, um, I just think that... Well, I'll just sub out Targamas for uh, analogy for my Syncrop analogy. A player who was in the league yeah. ages ago, deserved, thinks he oh. deserved to be back in the whole time, wasn't. Now he's coming back in, something to prove. I just think that collectively, and obviously Adam has the whole thing of, um, you know, uh, being, feels really shunned by upset and Fnatic in general, almost yeah. feels betrayed and he's playing against Fnatic. Like, I think this is set up for um, a BDS win. You know, that's interesting stuff. I when I look at how Adam performed on Fnatic, he was he was good. He was good. It was is great for a rookie. I still think it's a bit crazy they let him go. But honestly, that's I think that's more internal issues than anything else. Um, but I, I feel like Fnatic, from what we've seen so far of Adam, he's been able to flourish when he wasn't the best player on his team. And I look at BDS and I think he is the best player on the team. You know, you've got Synchrov, you've got Nuclear Int, uh, Exmati, and Limit. We'll see if he can still have that same level of success. But either way, you know, for you two, that's uh, one vote for Fnatic for Thorin and one for BDS. And as I mentioned, as these episodes progress, we'll see who can build up enough of these winners' points to uh, force the other person to do something that they don't want to do. Do you have any thoughts, guys, on what you're going to make the other person do when you win? 
I'm uh, I'm feeling a lot worse uh, about this whole thing, bearing in mind that I went on a two-minute soliloquy about how I thought Targamas was on BDS. So I'm not really thinking about that right <laughs> yeah. now. But uh, yeah, I mean, my proposal, should it be accepted, is if I were to be the victor, despite my faux pas, then I would like to see Mr. Duncan Shields in his favorite team's jersey, TSM, with... Reckless Please. written on the back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yes, I'm, reckless. I'm, I'm gonna get way more creative than that. Like I'm gonna do something like you have to rewrite Adam's twit longer from the off season oh, where he explains God. what was going on with Upset. You have to do that in the most professional manner. I'll do something fun like that, mate. Like it won't be too embarrassing. <laughs> I just, just want to make you do some crazy shit like that. That's my angle. I like that actually. I'd read that. <laughs> yeah, William Wordsmith's can, can, can I can I reserve the right to potentially change my forfeit? Should I see his forfeit? Yeah. Someone gets to the five, we'll figure it out what it's going to be. Maybe on four, we'll start deciding. Yeah, we make you can make Thorin voice a top 10 reckless moments from his career. There you go. Coming in at number 10, Rickless gets a penter on Civi, and that'll just be from 10 to one as well. And that'll there be the time. And he gets another penter on Civi. Oh, wait, Tristana <laughs> this time. Oh, he almost got a penter on Jin, but he didn't go far enough forward on the last auto attack. Too bad. So I've got it. Yeah, that, that basically yeah, we just done it right there, haven't we? Just clip that. Yeah, there you go. Something brilliant and stuff. All right. Any last words from you two before we head off for today? Uh, I'm just impressed that Rich actually outdid me by on a podcast that has nothing to do with Reckless mentioning Reckless. I didn't even mention him, believe it or not. I, normally, I've got like a checklist of bingo. You know, it's like Froggen, Reckless. Like, you know, I didn't hit any of them, didn't even say Forgiven. And there's even a bloody player called Unforgiven in the league. That's true. That's true. We're all very proud of you, Duncan, mate. Rich. Well, yeah, I, I'm right now right. just waiting for my impending block because obviously Reckless is clearly one of Thorin's trigger words, which you know, sent him absolutely mm. spiralling. So clearly I have the mental yeah. advantage already. You know, there's no no coming back from that reference. So Honestly, yeah. honestly, and I think I'll leave you on this note. Can you imagine if Reckless was a woman? That's what we've got for today's episode here of Side Select. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back again next week for some more shenanigans. Thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you next time.